Welcome to The Prosper Project, the show that helps entrepreneurs build brands that impact the world and the bottom line. We know that success doesn't come in a one-size-fits-all package. That's why we're bringing you adaptable marketing strategies along with valuable insights from inspiring changemakers, firebrands, and visionaries. I'm Lorraine Sugart, founder of the disruptive brand agency, Prosper for Purpose. Now for this week's episode. Welcome everyone to this week's episode of The Prosper Project. Today, we're talking about overcoming entrepreneurial loneliness with Julie Stenberg. So we all know that entrepreneurship can be a lonely path, and certainly the past two years have made it even worse. And I've been thinking a lot lately about friendship and loneliness, as no one really seems to be talking about this. So today, we want to talk about how the pandemic has really made loneliness a serious challenge. And that's true for everyone, not just entrepreneurs, but because on this show, we're talking about entrepreneurs, we're going to look at it through that lens. We're also going to think about the fact that, you know, our long-term friends and our family can't really relate to being an entrepreneur. So as much as they love and support us, they're not necessarily the people that are going to be able to commiserate when things are bad and cheer us on as in the way that we need necessarily when things are good. So we're just going to have this conversation and see where it goes. And to help me kind of navigate this topic, my guest is Julie Stenberg. And Julie is an award-winning master certified leadership and life coach. And she is the founder of Call to Lead Coaching. She serves individuals and organizations through full suite one-on-one coaching services, also through online groups and hybrid programs, as well as live workshops and events. And my friend Julie is known as the feminine badass, leading with female energy cultivated from 30 plus years of marriage, motherhood, education, and leadership. And Julie's programs are based on a three-legged stool that includes your personal life, your physical life and your professional life. It's Julie's belief that all three areas should be honored and developed to live in alignment and deep satisfaction. So Julie works with people who primarily identify as female, business owners and entrepreneurs building a business or a framework for their group programs. She serves the whole person, heart, body, and spirit so you can love, live, and lead with presence, joy, and power. Welcome, Julie. Hi, Lorraine. So great to be here with you and your audience today. Thank you for inviting me. Oh my gosh, absolutely. So Julie and I have known each other for several years. I'm not sure how several, maybe four. And I love her energy. She's an amazing writer. She always seems to say the right things. And I am just so honored and excited to have you here with me to talk about this important topic. Oh, thank you so much. And, you know, it has been really meaningful to me to have you out there in, you know, these internet streets as one of my longtime friends and supporters. And I'm excited to talk about this today because I'm sure you, as well as many of our listeners, have felt the sting of 
being alone kind of in this journey and then add add the pandemic on top of that. And it's extremely challenging to build relationships that not only support us sort of personally, but also in this entrepreneur space, we always need somebody who believes in our capabilities and our passion for what we're trying to do in the world. So it's not always easy to find someone that encompasses both things. Yeah, I love that. It's so true. So why do you think that entrepreneurs are especially at risk for loneliness? Well, entrepreneurs by definition are doing something that the average person is not doing. You know, they are stepping outside of a traditional workplace situation, career, even their very language is always discussing how they are different from what everyone else is doing and the way they have disrupted the idea of their particular business framework. And so, especially if you're leading a lot of your business and attraction via social media, you're having discussions and sending out messaging all the time about how different you are, how you are a singular Mm -hmm. entity doing something no one else is doing. And you have stepped away from what society typically expects. So not only are you working usually very solitarily, but you're also messaging that you're different, that you're other, you're somehow other than the traditional daily workspace. The other really challenging thing is the work schedule. So a lot of us have built our entrepreneurial careers with the hope of having a lot of freedom in our scheduling, a lifestyle freedom. We can travel when we want. We can set up our appointments when we want. And what that means for other people who are working in the nine to five or in the corporate world is they see us doing fun things in the middle of the day when they are at work. And so it leads our friends to believe that we have a lot of free disposable time. And what they may not understand is that we're often serving people at night yeah, or we are staying up into the wee hours, finishing a project that we're about to launch. Or we're working with our virtual assistant who is on the other side of the world at, you know, the exact opposite hours. I've been there. (laughs) That we're we're serving our clients, you know. So we are actually spread very, very thin. But to our nine to five friends and associates, it looks like our schedule is wide open. And so the invitations and the expectations just end up being a little bit of a challenge for us. I mean, say no to an invitation three times and you stop getting the invitation. That's true. Yeah, you're right. So you talk a little bit about the woman on the island syndrome. I feel like you've led us right into that because I'm already thinking things I haven't thought before, but kind of share that philosophy with our listeners, the woman on the island philosophy. Well, when you step away from a traditional work environment and you create your own, you are creating a space Mm -hmm. and an environment that is 
hopefully your ideal, the picture of the life that you've always wanted. And while early on in your business, you often are still grinding, you're still putting in lots of hours and doing a lot of extra work. The dream is always to have this ideal state. And so we sort of build an island for ourselves, this beautiful place, a utopia, and this is continuously in existence in our mind. And in order to make that reality, we do need to talk about it a lot. And other people don't necessarily have that same sort of imagination for the way their work or career or lifestyle is going to happen. They might be locked into you know, a corporate week, four weeks of vacation a year. And so by our very creation of our business, we are creating an island for us to exist on so that we're happy and we are fulfilled. And we have to be very protective of it because yeah. when we hear naysayers or let me play devil's advocate here, what if you don't do it? What if so-and-so comes and takes your clients? What if, and you know, the people who aren't in the arena have all kinds of obstacles for you when you are creating your ideal utopia. They have all sorts of evidence they've gathered that this will never work. And you defend against it all the time. Yeah, no, that's so true. That's so true. And even people who have tried to do businesses on their own, even when you connect with other people that are entrepreneurs or have been entrepreneurs, I feel like sometimes the same thing is true. They're going to tell you all the you know, all the problems that you're going to encounter. So even within the relationships between entrepreneurs, I think we have to be careful. And that just kind of reinforces that island philosophy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I do think, you know, depending on the company you keep, you can find yourself in a group of people who want to share only the struggle and only the challenge. And I mean, I do understand a bit of that because of course, we want to hear how other people have done it. What did you do to get through this hard time or this rough patch? Or what do you know that I don't know? And it can be a vicious cycle of someone must know what I don't know. So you might begin to just talk about that all the time. Yeah. And I do think as a society, and women particularly, people who lead with a feminine energy have a really hard time talking about the ways that they're winning and the ways that they are finding success and how they're doing it differently. And it feels so damn good. And I remember telling someone when I decided that I would have one week per month that I do not work with clients. And that week is going to be dedicated to travel or content creation or marketing plans or discovering my new niche. And when I started telling people that I was taking that one week, they sort of all said, oh, you're going to have a week off every month? How is that going to work? <laughs> well, that's not really a week off if you know how business creation works. Right, right. But, you have to create space for your creativity to play. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, working with clients very closely and being involved in their lives and the things that are 
hurting them and holding them back. I do get wrapped up and involved in those. I do have the feelings and emotions with my clients. So I need that week. But when you start talking to people about this feels so good that I get to be with myself and my thoughts and reflect on the work that I did last week so that the work I do next week is so much higher quality, it starts to feel like, oh, I don't want to brag to people. I don't want people to think that, you know, I'm not working. Right. It's just an interesting cycle. And I really have to be clear with it. I think this is the key to all of this is you have to really be clear with your mission and your vision for your life and your business. So knowing yourself and what you need is so valuable. Yeah, I totally relate to that. I think there's a lot of times as entrepreneurs, I know for me, this is true. You know, I started out nine years, we just celebrated nine years in business last month as an agency. And, you know, in the first few years, I was kind of just figuring it out. But then I started looking at, well, how are other people doing it? And I was doing that from the beginning as well. But I was just like going forward, meeting with people I knew and getting clients that way and just kind of building it as I went. But then you kind of hit that first plateau and you're like, okay, what's everybody else doing? How should I scale? Should, right? Mm -hmm. And so you go into, oh, I need to be on social media more. I need to be doing this, that, or the other. And soon you have like, this 20 item checklist that you're supposed to be doing every darn day. And quickly that becomes exhausting. So then, you know, I think there's this sense of overwhelm and I want to go to your three-legged stool because it gets back to not only loneliness, but yeah, loneliness also comes from being too damn busy and oftentimes busy at the wrong things. And so then we neglect some of the personal or the physical aspects of our life. And that three-legged stool loses one or two of its legs. So can you talk a little bit about, you know, like what is the impact of loneliness for ambitious, motivated women in terms of the impact on personal, physical, and then professional? I know that was like a long-winded question, but I I think you get what I'm going for here. (laughs) Yeah. So loneliness is most often correlated with your personal life, like lack of trusted friends, fewer and fewer social invitations, overcommitting to others like a partner or children, and then loss of your self-identity outside of work. Who are you other than this woman running this powerhouse business? And ultimately, it very often ends in trouble or a rocky, intimate relationship. You know, I've seen it with lots of clients that this overworking often leads to infidelity or, you know, just not putting the investment into these intimate relationships that have always been the core of your life. And I see loneliness. In my coaching business, I see loneliness in every single act of infidelity from either side. Wow. Is the the absolute beginning of every act of infidelity I've ever witnessed. And this throwing oneself into being overly committed to other people is just 
I've seen that also in every case, every okay. single case I've worked with. So that, overly committed to other people. I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. Give me an example of that. Who would those other people be? Like clients or? Yeah, they can be clients. They can be business associates. They can okay. be, especially if you're doing large in-person events where it requires a lot of wrangling of variety of people and circumstances. But then there's also that loneliness in the physical life. We are in my space, primarily moms. Mm -hmm. And we are very accustomed to touching our children and hugging and we jostle them around and we carry them. And when we have to separate ourselves and put up these strong boundaries, because this is mom's workspace, what's mom's work time. And then add on top of that, the pandemic, mid-pandemic and social distancing and working remotely, the physical kinesthetic people are wilting fast. These people like myself, I'm a very physical person, need physical expressions multiple times a day. So then you hole up in an office and try to grind out some work independently and privately, you're missing, you know, all of this physical touch that you used to have when you were with your children a lot more hours of the day. Even if the, you know, the physical touches, you're in the grocery store and your child's having a meltdown and you have to sort of pick up their flailing body and carry them to the car, you know, that's still physical touch. Yeah, for sure. And also that when we miss that, there's negative impact on our bodies. Like virtually every illness has a stress component to it, or can at least be made worse by the stress that comes from loneliness. You know, I always say every person has sort of like a dog counterpart and my dog (laughs) counterpart is a border collie. So I'm not out there exercising and doing positive things like I'm going to find negative things to do, like chew up your shoes or, you know, (laughs) just create some sort of a disaster because I need all of that physical peace. The pandemic has really kept people from doing those physical pieces. And I always say, if you're missing anything, if you feel lonely, you feel sad, you feel anxious, you feel angry, the first place to go is inside your body inside your body to start feeling what your body feels like. Cause it tells you exactly what you need to know and what exactly what you need to be doing. So that brings us to a really good question. What you're alluding to here is self-awareness, right? Yeah. And self-awareness and investment in things or people or whatever that is can be two of the keys to solving that woman on the island effect, correct? Yeah. And, you know, we have women in general, I think a lot of people, but I feel particularly strong in speaking for the female perspective. We put ourselves last and we've, most of us have 20 or so years of raising children or what have you of putting ourselves last. Our needs come last. Our desires absolutely come last. If we ever let our desires be part of that at all. 
And we forget that this buildup inside of ourselves of anger and resentment, it isn't necessarily that we're mad. Mm-hmm. It is that we're lonely. We feel unseen, that we feel disconnected, or that our connections are superficial, that what we have been showing to the world isn't exactly authentic. And so we're a little bit upset that people aren't responding to our realness. Well, if you're never showing your realness, how can people respond to you? So it- I just wrote that down. That <laughs> I hope everyone will listen to this episode again because that is so profound. I and, just I love what you said. You know, if you're attracting people to a false persona, mm-hmm. you will always feel unseen because what you're allowing people to see is not your truth. And then you're mad. Wow. And we have to start showing our truth. And it does take a little bit of practice because we are out of practice. How do we do that? Like if someone like me is listening to you going, wow, this is a really profound concept. And I want to, you know, I want to make sure that I am presenting my authentic self. What does that look like? Well, I take my clients on a little journey back in time and I ask them to look at a time in their life when they felt, wow, I really feel whole right now. I feel loved and seen and heard and brave and capable. And when I ask people to go back to a day like that, they do have a really hard time because they're always going, oh, but I couldn't be that because so-and-so is watching. I couldn't be the girl who spoke back because my teacher didn't allow us to respond or whatever, whoever is in your past that has kind of held you back. You really have to go back a long ways. And you often, most of my clients go back to a place where they were unsupervised by adults. So like, (laughs) before people told us who we were supposed to be, Uh we were that inner child before it was told that it was too much or whatever that message was. Or, Or that you might fail. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big one. I love that. What would you be if you knew you could not fail? Right, 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 right. Now, it's it's that kind of a day that you want to go back to and look at what you're doing on that day. Are you doing something physical? Who are you speaking with and how are you speaking? What do you imagine yourself ever becoming on that day? These kinds of things kind of lead you back into your authenticity. And when you discover, wow, I was, for me personally, when I did this exercise, I was walking through the woods in the winter and I had refused to wear my winter boots. So (laughs) my feet were really wet and I was hopping from like tree stump to tree stump, trying to keep my feet out of the water. And I felt like number one, I was doing something that I was told I couldn't do. That was wearing the boots. I was also in a location that I was far from home. Like my parents didn't know where I was. Uh. 
And I felt so powerful and complete and capable with not a single fear. And that's when I realized I have to be physical. I have to be independent. I have to be doing something that people told me I probably couldn't do. And that has been sort of the building blocks of my entire adult (laughs) business pursuit. Wow. That's so great. That's so powerful. I love that exercise. I was doing it as you were sharing. And mine was when I, growing up, we had this house on the edge of a ravine that went down to a creek. Ironically, or maybe not, I now live in a house that backs up to a ravine and a creek, not the same ones. And I would go down there with a notebook and sit on a rock by the creek and write. And that's my memory, hiking through those woods to get to my spot and then writing. So there's a lot of clarity that comes from that. So now we have seen who that inner child is and how we have to be our authentic self. Then how do we use that awareness to connect with others to overcome or to, you know, cure some of that loneliness that we feel being an entrepreneur? So I think that we are often talking about how we're different from others, but we need to also paint a picture of how we are all the same, how we all have certain needs and wishes within ourselves that might be like yours. So for you in your story of sitting down with your notebook, you know, you would make a connection to other people who have felt the need to get away and be in a private location to have sort of a secret spot, to be able to write without boundaries and stipulations and expectations. And then also that connection with nature, because you didn't go to a place inside. You didn't go to a library or something like that. You were out where you could experience the weather. You could experience critters. You would have the seasons, the changing seasons. And sometimes you'd have to bundle up probably and go, or sometimes you'd be in, you know, a t-shirt and flip-flops. So you may- Usually the latter. Yeah. You <laughs> made a, a huge, huge fan of the cold. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you made arrangements for those things. So mm-hmm. connecting with other people who also feel a kinship toward that sort of independent freedom. You know, the signs within yourself that you're lonely or that you haven't put on the friendship hat for a while, they are things like hibernating, turning down invitations, canceling Mm -hmm. plans, being snappy or grouchy with people in your household that you're seeing regularly. Physically, it looks like weight gain. It looks like lack of physical energy. It looks like over drinking, over shopping, over scrolling through social media, you know, anything you're putting too much time into that is an avoidance technique. Those are all avoidance techniques. So I have a question for you. Why would you take counterintuitive action like refusing invitations or hibernating 
Is that because you're not aware that your problem is loneliness or that part I need some help with? Mm -hmm. You know, part of it is you may not be aware, but a lot of it is just denial. I'm not lonely. If I put out a package for women who are lonely, not a single woman would sign up for it. Uh, They do not identify these feelings with being lonely because they seem opposite. Right. They seem like, wow, I'm not lonely. I try to be alone. I'm Mm. not lonely. I try to avoid the world. Like I don't people. (laughs) 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 And, And yes, there are people who find energy in being alone. You just described your own energy source being an independent place. So was mine. But that does not mean we don't need connection. Right. And too often, the connections that we do have are very superficial because we are afraid that if someone actually sees who we really are, they won't like us. That somehow we are unlovable. And women in general have a higher risk of this, correct? Oh, yeah. And I mean, we do put our a lot of our time and energy into raising children, which separates us from other people. And then when the children reach a level of independence that we have some time that we are able to go back into the world of friends and socializing and, you know, maybe doing things without kids involved, mm-hmm. we're out of practice. Right, for sure. And a lot of times, When we're raising kids, our friendships come from other mothers of our kids' friends, but those, like you said, can often be more superficial. You're more talking about your kids, and then you may talk a little bit about your marriage, but they may not have, you know, it's like surviving on snacks versus a meal, right? Oh, that's a great analogy. You're deeply hungry for something more satisfying. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that. If women would agree that they are worthy and deserving of love and connection before they even make an attempt to reach out to somebody or to be in a friendship with somebody, like I'm already good enough. I do not necessarily need an outside affirmation that I am worthy of love. I think if we could get there, we could make loneliness much a thing of the past, a distant, oh, I was lonely once, but then I learned how to be Mm. okay within myself. And so therefore it was easy for me to share that with my neighbor or my friend or the woman in the coffee shop. And it sounds like you are qualified to kind of lead that process for people. I love the gold that you dropped today. I think it's so powerful. I will be listening to your words a couple more times for sure. I hope our listeners do as well. So I want you to tell people a little bit more about your work and how you work with women to kind of solve a lot of the, or at least address a lot of the problems that they're experiencing and really how to find out more about you, Julie. 
Well, you know, interestingly enough, women have not given themselves even an opportunity to feel the things that pop up in a day. We 100% are okay with our children having sadness, frustration, loneliness, you know, ambiguity. We're okay with that. We support our children through that. But when it pops up within us, we have a real hard time allowing that this is a truth for us. And a lot of what female energies need to understand is that it's okay to have desires. We were built for this. We were created with these desires for a reason. And that it's okay to have the desire to be with other people who understand me and don't judge me. That lack of a trusted person is probably the number one reason people seek coaching. It's not because they really need to lose 20 pounds or they really need to build a new business or this or that. It's that they lack a trusted person who has wisdom, experience, and a no judgment zone. And I think that's where somebody who's never considered having a coach or joining a program, I think that's where the window opens. Mm -hmm. Suddenly, it's okay for me to put a little time and energy into myself. Nobody here thinks that I'm taking anything away from my family. I'm not taking anything away from my business. I'm not taking anything away from anyone else in order to invest in myself. And in fact, when I heal the brokenness in me, I have examples and wisdom and can lead you to heal the brokenness in you. You know, we can never lead something we've never tried ourselves. Right, for sure. (laughs) I think it's this way, but I'm not really sure because I haven't been down this road yet. (laughs) You know, I read a few books on this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and that's like a whole other discussion we could have because there are a lot of coaches out there, unfortunately, who have read a couple of books or, you know, I was talking with someone earlier today about you know, the varieties of quote experts out there and how, you know, if you're looking for a coach, you really need to do your homework. And you and I have talked about that offline, you know, that label coach, Mm -hmm. what are you coaching? And, you know, do you have the wisdom? Do you have the experience? Do you have the accreditation to do the work that you're doing? Yeah, I think that, you know, anybody can hang a shingle and say, I'm a coach, but you really need to seek a person who is taking life action and is admirable to you. If it's someone that you admire, and I don't want people to look for just, oh, I need a business coach. So I'm going to look at somebody whose business I admire. Please look at the total package because, I mean, anybody who says, well, business is business and personal is personal is lying because who you are and your character is where you lead your business from. It is where you lead your lifestyle from. It is where you lead your physical life from. You would never take business advice from somebody who has failed 
at starting businesses and never learned anything. But I do want to take business advice from someone who maybe has failed at business and has something to teach from that experience. Right. Right. You know, I see a few very young coaches out there who have never worked any other job. Right. And I have to ask, what is the struggle that you faced, that you overcame, that you used these tools and strategies in order to overcome? They may very well have, you know, left an abusive relationship or became an emancipated minor or, you know, had very well have a story of, you know, a series of events they've been through that have led them to discover these tools, these strategies, these belief systems, these regular actions. And, and I'm not going to lie. Nobody's arrived. Nobody's there. Right. You know, if it's not a constant pursuit of the work, then it's probably not somebody that you want to have advise you. I totally agree. So before we go, I want to ask you one other question because this is the Prosper Project. So I want you to talk about a little bit about what it means for you to prosper. What does that look like? What is, you know, the life formula, I guess, for Julie to feel like you are prospering? Well, the word joy is a really important word for me, and it's separate from happiness. Joy is that bubbling of uncontrolled awe that we find in moments of our life. And I want more of it for myself and the people I know. I want more of it for society in general. And that I'm not of the belief that, you know, you can achieve happiness and stay there. I don't subscribe to that system of belief. I think everybody's going to get a little bit happy and a little bit crappy. But (laughs) if you can experience joy freely and with no restraint, then I feel that you're closer to your authentic design. You were created this way for a reason. With these thoughts, these desires, these skills and characteristics, and even these flaws, so that when you experience joy, it's full and whole and is mind, body, spirit. I love that so much. I love that. Thank you, Julie. Tell people how they can find out more about you and your programs and services. Yeah, so I'd love to meet you in my free group on Facebook, and it is called Life is Calling. We'll put the links below this episode. So yeah, just tell them, but we will put the links. So if you're listening to this podcast, you can look for the links in the show notes for this episode and connect with Julie. And so the free Facebook group, and then what's your website? My website is calltoleadcoaching.com. And on the website, you're going to find invitations to you for my self-investment strategy e-booklet, my signature program, Season of Self. That's where we have lots of online fun and a really great group of ladies and others who lead with feminine energy. 
And we are working with women there who have never really considered a life coaching program at all, but this would be kind of their first foray into investing in themselves and learning more about what makes them happy and what makes them tick and what ticks them off. (laughs) That's awesome. And then also I do primary part of my business is one-on-one coaching with ambitious, motivated women who are ready to step into the next level of their achievement, be that in the current career they're in, or whether they're ready to step out and start a business and create a program themselves. That's awesome. That is so great. Julie Stenberg, thank you so much for being with us today to talk about entrepreneurial loneliness and finding some cures, starting with self-awareness. It was such a pleasure to have you on this podcast, and I'm so grateful for the honor of having you as my friend. Thank you so much, Lorraine. And I can't wait to hear more episodes of Prosper Project. Thanks, guys. I will see you next Tuesday with another episode. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of The Prosper Project. If you want to grow a peerless, profitable brand, please hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And if you find value in our show, please help us reach others by sharing an episode and leaving a review. In appreciation, please visit prosperforpurpose.com for more free resources to help you grow your business.